Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker. Uh, we are kicking off season nine with Reverend Kurt Cooper joining us from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, Kurt, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. Um, Kurt, as we were saying before um, recording, uh, he doesn't need an introduction. I mean, I feel like he, he's been on the podcast uh, numerous times. I don't even know how many times he's been on now. And then for a while there, we were doing Parenting Today. He was the co-host of that with RYM. And that, as we keep saying, is going to be resurrected eventually, uh, we, we hope. So don't don't give up on that, everybody. But if you're new and you've never listened to this podcast, that's a little bit about Kurt. Uh, he's at Trinity Prez in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, Kurt, you can remind me, how long have you been there now? Uh, I have been there... I've been there. I've been here nine years. <laughs> um, I was about to say something, but I'm glad you, you corrected. Yeah. So nine years. And before that, I know in Tupelo and uh, I'd yeah. say total around 20 years in student ministry. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know what you want to count, but uh, doing it as an ordained minister for the last 14 or 13 or 14 years. And then, um, and then before that, you know, obviously I had like a lot of intern experience, but uh, I would, I don't know if you want to count that or not, but for a while I'm old. It's fair. Yeah. You've said it. I'm old. I got it. They got it. They understand. He's not young. <laughs> um, well, you did college ministry, right? Didn't you? I did. I did student yeah. ministry. I did student ministry in college when I was in college. I worked with a church in Starkville. I went to Mississippi State in a Grace Presbyterian Church. Uh, really cool. This is a complete sidetrack, but, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell it anyway, just cause it's a fun story. But, uh, one of the, one of the guys that was in my very first youth group at Starville, uh, he ended up becoming, uh, going to USC to film school. And, uh, you know, he works in, uh, in like visual effects or whatever. And uh, my son, my oldest son, Campbell and I were watching, uh, the Mandalorian, which he loves, and uh, he wants to watch it all the time, thinks it's so cool or whatever. And I said, well, you know that one of the guys that used to be, I, he calls them the big boys and girls. I said, Do you know that one of the big boys and girls actually helps make this show? And he was like, really? That's and awesome. I was like, yeah. And so we, we went through the credits and paused and found his name. Um, but yeah, so that goes all the way back to like 2000, like very early 2000s. So yeah, I'm old. But that's, also that's really cool. pre pretty fun that I know someone that like created Baby Yoda. That's not what he does for the show, but I, <laughs> that's what my well, son I mean, we could say. I mean, the Mandalorian probably wouldn't exist if it's not for Kurt Cooper. I mean, that's <laughs> what, we're, what we're saying. So just keep that in mind, yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, basically, thank, you're welcome for Baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like how I prefaced with, hey, he doesn't need any introduction. And now we just gave uh, <laughs> your entire bio there. Um, my entire bio is that I was one guy's youth minister. <laughs> awesome. No, like all the churches you've served in and all that stuff. Too. Yeah. Um, so I went ahead and just included all that. Um, but if people uh, heard the intro last week to this new season, they know we're talking about biblical sexuality. And our hope is to talk about this from just a lot of different um, topics that, that fall under this larger umbrella of biblical sexuality. And so We'll have people on talking about transgenderism. We're going to be talking about pornography. And um, today with Kurt, uh, I thought we would just kind of dig into how um, you have broached this subject with your students, uh, some of the, the issues maybe your students are dealing with. Um, and so, uh, you know, Kurt, I've, I've taught on various topics uh, when I was 
in student ministry. And as I tell everyone, I'm still in student ministry. I'm just doing it uh, from, uh, you know, this position with, with RYM. Uh, but I know specifically we talked about um, homosexuality. Uh, we used, uh, not Paul David Tripp's, uh, Kevin DeYoung's book, What Does the Bible Say About Homosexuality? And then what we talked about um, just uh, kind of a broader understanding of sexuality through Paul David Tripp's book. Uh, it was entitled Sex and Money, but now Crossway, I think, has divided those into two books. And I was just looking it up. Uh, so it's entitled Sex in a Broken World by Paul David Tripp, if people want to check that out. Um, so I ended up you know, teaching through or using both of those books as, as content for discipling students. Um, and we'll talk about some of the specifics of that. And Kurt, I thought that'd be a good place to start is, you know, how do you uh, try to broach this subject in youth ministry? And maybe we can look at kind of advice for youth workers of things you should do when trying to talk about this, things you shouldn't do, things you should be cautious of and avoid. Um, because obviously uh, sensitive subject matter. So Kurt, maybe some advice to start off. How, how do you, how do you do this in your ministry? Well, no one should take any advice from me, uh, but <laughs> hey, it could be from mistakes, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, more, more than likely it will be, but you know, when it, this is a complicated issue because there's so many different factors, uh, when you talk about, uh, romantic relationships in high, in junior high and high school and, uh, you know, so the way that I've always approached it is to begin with something that everybody understands. So, you know, to start with something simple and work our way up to something complicated like marriage or sex or dating or, um, you know, courtship or whatever it is you want to talk about. So th those are complicated relationships that have a lot more rules than simple relationships. So the first thing that I always talk about with my students is what does it mean to be someone's friend? And what's shocking, actually, John, is just how few people can give a definition of what a friend is, especially mm -hmm. high school and junior high students, and just how flexible that definition, the definition of that word is, uh, you know, and it's really good for them. Uh, you know, every relationship has rules, right? Every relationship has, you know, boundaries, um, to quote uh, Trimper and Lawman, but, uh, you know, every, but it's just so interesting. I know this is not necessarily where we want to go, but you know, <laughs> that my students will say, so-and-so is my friend. Well, what does that mean? Okay. What does that mean? That means that you, I mean, and I'm not going to like, I'm not trying to make my students look bad, but all students, uh, these are students who don't even, who aren't from Montgomery students that I've taught at RYM or that I've interacted with wherever, when you ask them this question and even college students, they'll say, I'll say, what does it mean that someone is your friend? And what it turns out is, is that everybody is my friend, as long as I know their name, right? It's like, there's no real, I was like, okay, well, then what does it mean to be a good friend? Okay. And, and so engaging in that idea really gets students thinking about, okay, well, you know, now they, you know, they don't want to say someone is not their friend because that sounds like an insult. That sounds like it's, but you know, what it really does is it devalues the term, right? It devalues what it means to be a friend because if everyone is your friend, then no one is your friend, right? That's, I mean, not to quote the Incredibles, but if everyone is special, then no one is special. And so getting your students thinking about what does it mean? Who is your best friend or who is in your friend group, which is a word that my students use a lot. They're in my friend group or that's, I'm in these two friend groups and which, you know, um, which is a fun way or like a kosher way to say, 
this, I'm in these two clicks <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I could cross these, but, uh, cause click sounds bad, but, um, what does it mean or, or what is it that, you know, makes someone your friend? Because what you're going to find, I'll answer my own question, but what you're going to find is, is, uh, you know, time is what makes someone your friend. The more time that you spend with someone, the more they actually become, the, the deeper your friendship becomes. Now, this is not rocket science, right? Mm-hmm. But our students don't think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they just say, oh yeah, so-and-so is my friend. And, you know, and the person that they just say hey to in the hall is their friend. And then also the person that has been to every one of their birthday parties and um, will be the maid of honor in their wedding is also their friend. And that's problematic in and of itself, Mm -hmm. right? Because when we want to talk about relationships, we want to talk about complicated relationships, when it comes to this simple relationship or this thing that we seem to, we ought to understand, a lot of our students don't, haven't really put the time in to think about those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that's not where you wanted to go to start, but I just, whenever I, whenever I talk about dating or talk about romance or I talk about sex or, you know, I always like to start right there and say, well, you know, if we're going to assess this complicated relationship you have with this boy or this girl that you're sweet on or whatever phrase you want to use, we might want to start at a simpler level and just think about, you know, what is it? Why do you have the friends that you have? Um, What is it that makes them your friend or makes someone not your friend? Yeah. I mean, like you said, this wasn't necessarily where we were headed, but I think it's an important you know, starting point, just, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about dating relationships, sexual relationships, okay, let's just start with relationships and getting students to think about that. And Kurt, I I do wonder, because as you say, I mean, I would assume many of our listeners and and we would assume, okay, the whole kind of friendship and all of that is somewhat lessened through social media, you know, followers and all of that, just kind of broadening that the spectrum of what that word can encompass. I, I do wonder how much we need to be educating our friends on, I mean, our students on what, who we should label friend or, or not. And should we even use, you know, acquaintances? I mean, that's not, not a term <laughs> that, you know, our students are not necessarily going to throw around, but you, you know, I find when I'm talking to my own children, you, you hear those, well, that's my best friend. Yeah. And I mean, this is my friend. They're not my best friend. They're, you know, just a, a friend. So they've got a distinction kind of there, but uh, you know, to, to get students to even see um, kind of the, the variations of, of friendship. And then, you know, that will help them understand, you know, those intimate relationships when they start dating. Um, so I don't know if you even try to have some of those conversations as you're, you're teaching students about this. Well, you know, if you think about like, if you think about who it is that you are closest to, and you start to think about why you're close to them. Okay. A lot of the things are outside of your control, right? Um, We grew up next to each other. Well, you didn't decide that, right? But, you know, and there's a great quote that I don't have on hand. I wish I'd pulled it up. I used it um, the la- not the last time I preached at Trinity in the morning, but the time before that, because we were talking about friendship. I had this great quote about, you know, how much God, how much God's sovereignty um, plays a role in who we're friends with. But one thing that I want our students to see, hopefully, you know, so much of youth ministry is trying to get students to step out of ministry in general is trying to step, get people to step outside themselves for a second and just see themselves from a different angle um, and see the others, you know, so, you know, to get, to give them a little perspective. 
And, you know, one thing I always, this is the joke that I always say uh, to the, to the guys in my group, like how many of you guys in here play baseball? And a couple of them will raise their hand. And I say, you know, have you ever noticed that all the baseball players have girlfriends in the spring? Um, and, uh, and they'll, some of the guys will be like, yeah, yeah. But then like, Somewhere time over the summer, they break up and during the fall, you know, it doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden they have a girlfriend again. I was like, why is that? You know, why is it that that, why does that cycle seem to happen? And a lot of them begin to nod and they'll start to ask a question and be like, could it be, could it be that uh, there's, there are girls who kind of like sitting out at the baseball field in the spring, working on their tan and, um, and, you know, getting to wear like your, you know, jacket or your Jersey every once in a while, um, to the game and say like, Oh, that's my boyfriend. But that's kind of like the end of the relationship. They're just, they like to have that status, but they're not really that into you or into baseball. Could it be that they, they're not real big baseball fans actually, but that they just are in it for something else. And they always laugh and, you know, and the girls laugh too, because there's, you know, in the South, at least where I minister, there's definitely this situation where the the girlfriends of the baseball players are all sitting on the front row in the little tailgate chairs with the boys jersey on their legs up so they can get sun or whatever. And I always laugh at that and think, man, these girls are going to dump these guys as soon as baseball season <laughs> is over. Uh, but just getting them to think about the idea of transactional relationships that what lots of things, lots of people that we call friends, we call them our friends or even more than our friends because they offer us something. And the second mm-hmm. they can't offer us that, they're not really of use to us. And is that really friendship? You know, mm-hmm. why is the person with the really nice lake house have so many friends during the summer, right? <laughs> um, and I always want people to, you know, uh, you know, and this, this is how the world works. I'm not trying to like cast aspersions on every single relationship sure, yeah. that we all have, but you know, I see this all the time. Um, if you know, you see people, whether they realize it or not, and it could, some of this could be subconsciously, they are using each other. Mm-hmm. All right. And a lot of that happens in dating. Right. So it's helpful when you're talking about this with students to show how like uh, instinctive it is for us to use other people, even when it's not dating. Right. Mm-hmm. You're really nice to the kid, the nerdy kid in your class, because you know that you're going to need his notes you know, the night before the test, you know, um, you know, you're really, <laughs> the, the girl, you know, so there's a lot of examples of this, but these transactional and our students call that friendship, but that's problematic mm-hmm. because that's not friendship <laughs> as we know it in the Bible, but also just as any common sense person would recognize, that's not really friendship. That's saying, let's, that's more like a business a mm-hmm. contract, right? Where yeah. we're both going to provide a service and, uh, those, you know, when we're trying to get as much as we can. And if we take that kind of attitude into dating and marriage, man, what I, you know, we shouldn't be shocked if a lot of the dating relationships and marriage relationships that are developed are bad ones. Yeah. No, and I was going to say kind of with that transactional, uh, mindset, when, when that carries over into sexual relationships, you just think of the devastation uh, that can occur from that. But l- let me pull us back just a little bit before we get there. Because mm-hmm. I know we started this of kind of do's and don'ts uh, when, when we're starting to talk about oh, you know, yeah. the issue of sexuality. But like you said, in this whole conversation where it started off was starting small. Okay, let's just talk basically about relationships. And then as we try to, to build a foundation to get to kind of uh, deeper issues. Well, uh, what, what are some thoughts on if, the uh, 
Go yeah, ahead. if I if I can step in here and just say that everything that we've talked about so far, like you should be, I think any youth worker ought to be comfortable or uh, nothing we've talked about so far is really uh, controversial or even sure. a sensitive yeah. subject, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that's where you want to start, obviously. Now, when you are going to engage in conversations that, you know, as this conversation keeps, we journey down this road together, eventually we're going to get into some um, very sensitive issues. And when you're going to teach on that, I would say one big mistake that I've made before that, you know, if you're a youth minister and you're listening to this, don't do this, youth worker of any kind, is just thinking, well, you know, what I'm going to say is from the gospel. So I don't have to, you know, give anybody a warning. Why should I warn people about the gospel, you know, I'm a minister of the gospel, you know, like that kind of attitude, just cool your jets, Moses. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, parents don't want to get caught off guard, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to be caught off guard. They don't want to say, Hey, how was Sunday school? Well, we talked about homosexuality. Oh, uh, oh, oh, well, what, what was it about? You know, (laughs) parent, I'll give you a classic story because this happened to me and in the not too distant past um is that we were teaching on uh i was i was teaching through the book of judges and uh in the book no sorry the book of joshua excuse me and in the book of joshua uh the spies are helped by rahab all right and she's a prostitute and there's a lot to be said about this story right i think that there's a lot of the fact that Rahab cared about her family and that her family would be saved, even though you know that Rahab was probably not on the Christmas card considering her profession. (laughs) Like that says a lot about her and about what God had done in her life. So, um, but I said, you know, she was a prostitute and it's not like that's a, you know, and I, that's all I said. I was like, she's a prostitute. Now that's straight from the scripture, right? I shouldn't have to, you know, well, okay. We have junior high and high school students in together. Um, at this point, at this lesson. And I had uh, a younger student walk up in the midst of all these students. There are seniors, juniors, sophomores. I had a younger student walk up in, to me in the circle and say, hey, Mr. Kurt, which is hilarious because no one, you can tell they're young when they call me that. Um, he said, hey, I'm just curious, what's a prostitute? Um, now, I, you know, the whole room went silent, which is oh, awesome. <laughs> um, and I said, I, I told the student, I said, you and I are going to have this conversation with your parents. Um, so you're not in trouble to ask that. And it's actually kind of nice that you don't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we just walked down the hall and I explained, you're not in trouble. I was like, but we can't have this conversation. I'm Sunday school is not where I'm going to explain this to you. And when I got his parents, I took his, you know, I explained he's not in trouble, but he asked me this question and this is what we're talking about. And, you know, that I didn't even think about. Now I know in my head that we're going to talk about sexual issues to let parents know so they can be prepared. I didn't even, even though I know that in the back of my mind, I have that in my, in my toolbox, like, Oh yeah, you need to email parents and say, Hey, we're talking about this. That still snuck up on me. Right. Mm -hmm. That, that still caught me off guard. I was not read like, I mean, it was fine. This wasn't a disaster. In fact, it was really hilarious how his dad handled it. He was like, well, listen, the way the culture is, we've had to have a lot of these, conversations before he's like this is what this person does and the kid was like oh man that is bad <laughs> and i was like yeah um yeah it is it's not it's not good um and but see parents just don't want to be caught off guard mm-hmm. um 
they want their students to talk about these. And they definitely want these kind of things discussed in church. They do, right? They, they do. And, and they, it would be sinful for them not to because you just can't read the Old Testament or the New Testament without having to deal with sexual sin because there's just so many people. But what they don't want is to be, <coughs> excuse me, they don't want to be caught off guard and not given a little warning. So the first thing I would say is if you think that it's going to be a sensitive subject at all, and if you're talking about sex, then it is, then you should let parents know, right? Mm-hmm. You should let give parents a warning that that's going to happen. Um, and it doesn't have to be like, uh, and maybe some parents will not send their child because they don't think their child yeah. is, you know, ready. And you can, you know, you feel free at your risk of your own soul to judge them about how they're parenting their children, yeah. especially if you're a youth worker without children, just yeah, really absolutely. cool your jets, Moses right there. But, yeah. um, you know, well, and, and to, I, I mean, let's just think about the institution of the family, the institution of the church. I mean, we know they yeah. work in tandem and God has given specific roles to, to each, but I mean, that that's the parents decision. And so we've got to be cautious as youth workers who are seeking to partner with parents that we're not overstepping on, on certain issues. And so I agree. I, I mean, as, as I've taught on these issues, I mean, first off, we, we've got a youth committee and I know not every church has that, but, you know, I, I presented this to parents on the youth committee and they all signed off on, Hey, yeah, I think we should, you know, talk about, I mean, this topic specifically homosexuality. And so we actually, uh, crafted a letter as a committee and and they all signed off on it. And then we sent it out to parents to kind of notify, Hey, look, this is what we're going to be talking about. And we told them, look, if you choose to, to keep your child out during the semester, we completely want to support you in that decision. Um, however, we would encourage you to be talking about this in the home because it's such a prevalent issue. And so there mm-hmm. was that kind of conversation and, and something I would say to your point, Kurt, of being on the same page, something we, we did as well, you know, we would um, create an outline of what we were going to be talking about that night, um, you know, at our specific Wednesday large group. And we would always have that for our, our volunteers as they were teaching through it. Well, we would share that with the parents as well. And just so they would know, okay, here's what we're, we're going to be saying. And of course, it wasn't a written transcript of every word we were saying, but they would kind of know, okay, well, these are the, you know, three main points and some of the sub points are going to be talking about. So, they were a little less caught off guard. We just wanted to be extra sensitive about discussing this stuff. Um, Mm. And, you know, it it went well and every parent seemed to be in support of this. And, you know, the, the only kind of feedback we got was, was positive. And so I just think trying to be on the same page with the parents as much as you can is, is vital and alerting them and and being cautious and sensitive. And um, like you said, there are those who kind of say, well, this is in the Bible and it's truth and I'm just going to say it and who who cares who it offends. Um, You know, that's a reckless behavior that you've got to be cautious of. Yeah, I would say the other big mistake. Now, I haven't ever made this mistake. And that's not, I don't judge people who have, um, because I'm sure they haven't made mistakes that I that I have made. Um, so, but I know that people do this. And it, it, it is, as the kids would say, it is cringy as possible. It's a bad move. Um, it's never going to come off good. Um, but never, ever use your own example, your own marriage, your own relationships as fodder for teaching on one, your relationships are broken, right? Um, so any, any example that you give is, a, you know, a problematic example. Um, you know, don't ever, uh, you know, there are some, I, Go ahead yeah, say, Kurt. I, 
Just mm-hmm. go ahead and say it. It seems like you're holding back. Yeah. You know, they're just people that will say things when we're talking about this topic in particular, there are people who say things um, that they'll be like, you know, I, if you save yourself for marriage, then you can have a hot wife like me. Right. And then, you know, maybe it comes from a place of like really trying to talk up your wife and how pretty she is or how attractive you are, how attracted you are to her. And that's great. You know, but there's a way to say that you're attracted to your wife without being like, check out my smoke show wife. Like um, (laughs) that's, and on top of that is that that is only telling, that's like a lie in some ways because that's telling a, not a totally true story. One, um, she, she's not telling, you know, your marriage is only half yours. Um, <laughs> and a third year is really, if you think about, it's really all the Lords and then, but you know, that that's a bad move. Um, you know, now I have made, you know, whenever I talk with all guys about sex, I always make this joke. Um, so I'll give you a free joke to make if you're married and if you have children, right. So if you're married and have children, um, I say, and I'm talking to all guys, typically I would just be like, all right, guys, as far as I know, I'm the only verified sex haver in this room. (laughs) Um, And I have two, I have two receipts running around. Um, (laughs) um, And they always think that's funny. And that's always, look, they're going to want, especially when you talk to all guys, um, they are going to want to laugh about all because they are Every, they, everyone's fighting back laughter when you yeah yeah so, and, so yeah, it's, you it's nice to let a little air of that out of that balloon immediately right i mean like they think i've had so many of my older students um who have like just said vsh to me before um like verify um like just they said, said it to me randomly sometime um and uh just because i make that joke every now and again um i wouldn't do that in mixed company uh, but, uh, you know, there is, you, you want to, part of the problem with this s- subject is that, uh, sex is worshiped in our culture and it's worshiped even in evangelical circles. It is wor- it is put in a place now sex is a gift from God, but so are apples. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like it is a gift of God but it's put in a place of such um, high esteem, both in the culture and in the, that people are obsessed with it. Right. And part of the problem that a lot of relationships have, and uh, you know, is that, you know, I tell my students all the time, I tell my boys, I was like, you better find someone that you can talk to that you really enjoy talking to, because, you know, I've been married to my wife for 15, it'll be 16 years in August. And we have done a lot more talking than we have, you know, making out or, you know, like, you know, engaging in, you know, physical intimacy, whatever euphemism you want to use. We've done a lot more of the talking part. Right. And because that's and So sometimes, you know, what when you talk about this subject, one of the things that you need to do is kind of not lower their view of sex, but lower their expectation or their idea of what role sex plays in marriage um because that i'm not saying it's not an important part because it is it absolutely is and the scriptures back that up um but it's not the it's not the marriage right it's not the whole thing there there's a whole there's a relationship has especially a marriage relationship which is a complicated relationship 
has all of these factors and sex is an important one of those factors, but it's not the factor. Right. And I think one of the problems that a lot of people run into is that, or that I, I see on the ministerial side is that they're trying to make this one part of the relationship, the whole relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, that's another thing. Um, but we got off on a, a don't use your own yeah. life as an example. Um, yeah. Don't yeah. First of all, don't, you don't have it all figured out and it's a bad idea. Um, but also, you know, I think it's important to give them a realistic picture of what, um, of what marriage looks like. Uh, yeah. And the, the more that we confuse that picture, the more, dis, the greater disservice we do to our students. Yeah, t- totally. And I think it's helpful. Like you said, I mean, it is, as I've heard another pastor say, uh, sex is the biggest religion in the world. Yeah. And because they're hearing that, you know, 24 seven and the culture is worshiping it and all of that. And so, like you said, we, we do want to give them a biblical understanding of sexuality that it is um, very important uh, to the relationship, but let's not you know, bow down and worship it and turn it into the idol that the culture has. And so you want to kind of d- diminish the importance, if I can put it that way, in, in some ways, because it's it's definitely been perverted, to say the least. Um, Kurt, I'd, I'd love for us to shift gears just a little bit and mm-hmm. just get into some of the specifics of uh, what you've taught students. I mean, I know you, you've, as you referenced earlier, you, you talked about this uh, I think periodically at, at Trinity, and I know you've spoken on relationships at RYM summer conferences. And so let's maybe get into kind of the, the dating aspect and mm. um, what you tell students, how you try to uh, guide students in this and some you know specific truths that, that you've, you've taught on to your, your students. Well, again, it helps to think about motivations for friendships when you think about these kind of things. Um, and the first thing that I would tell a student is that the Bible is completely silent on dating because dating did not exist when the Bible was written. Just like the Bible is silent on, you know, internet on the internet or like Wi-Fi signals or, you know, cable television, you know, or, you know, vaccinations or stuff like that. These kind of things didn't exist, but the Bible does have a lot to say about relationships and a couple of things, a couple of passages of scripture. Um, first Thessalonians five eleven encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is our baseline for how we should relate to people who are believers. And obviously I feel like I'll say this, obviously that um, we're only going to date believers. um, If we're a believer, that is absolutely clear. There's not there. There's no, isn't it great when the, when Jesus is just like um, when, when the scripture is just, that gives you no wiggle room. Yeah. There is kind of a comfort in that. And yeah. there's there, it absolutely uh, gives you no wiggle room here. Do not be unequally yoked. So let, let, let me interject right there and just say, yeah. I can remember that specifically when I was teaching students on this. And as you said, obviously, I mean, we know that I remember, yeah, the students speaking up and saying, really, I didn't realize that was, you know, written in scripture. I mean, and we talked about it and we discussed it. And so, you know, We've got to always be cautious of what's obvious to us isn't obvious to our students. So be mm-hmm. sure to, to to say the things that might you might think they, they don't even need to be said. You know, so just wanted to to harp on that. That's an important thing to bring up. Yeah. So, you know, with our baseline is that all our relationships should be the focus of our relationships, whether they're friend relationships or acquaintances, or you know. Uh, mentor, mentee, or whatever is to build each other up. 
um, that's like a baseline, uh, whether we're doing relationship right or not, is are we building this person up? And that's a different mentality than dating someone because it's fun. Now it is fun to date someone. I don't want to sound like the old man who's like, you know, um, I, you know, I remember what it was like to, um, to be excited to go on a date or to have, you know, someone that was interested in you or that you were interested in them. And, you know, and all the, uh, you know, the ups and downs of whether, you know, they will like me back or whatever, you know, the phrases are now. Um, but, our baseline for dating is, you know, we have to ask ourselves a simple question. Are we dating this person to build them up? Or are we dating them so we can get something out of them, either mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, or socially? Um, and oftentimes what we have to confess to ourselves is that we're dating people to convince them and others that we're great. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone say uh, that when we pray, Lord, thy kingdom come in the Lord's prayer, that what we're really saying is, Lord, my kingdom go. Um, thy kingdom come and my kingdom go. And, um, you know, I, we, I think if we're honest with ourselves about how we date, we're, we're dating so that everyone will think that we're, I mean, why would a guy want to date the hottest girl possible, which is, you know, in his league, if I want to use those term terms, why, why would, why would that be a category? Because he wants everyone to think that he's great, right? He is building up glory for himself, right? Um, and so he's only, you know, why would a girl want to, you know, date the quarterback of the football team, right. Or the, the star pitcher on the baseball team or the, you know, whatever it is like, you know, for even taking out just like physical attraction and whether, you know, but why is that? Well, that's because that's that transactional relationship, you know, working its way into who we date. And so, if that is our motivation, we shouldn't be surprised that we have a lot of problems in our dating life or that there's, there's a stress or there's um, deep brokenness and unsatisfaction is because, you know, we're only going to appreciate this person when they make us feel like, yes, we are great. And when they don't make us feel great, guess what? (laughs) We're not, we're going to be done with them. Mm -hmm. And so that can't be a motivation that can't, I mean, it is one, but it's not a healthy one. So we, that can't be our motivation when we date people. And when, um, so what is our motivation? Well, our motivation is to find someone to marry, right? That is the purpose of dating. Like we don't, um, we buy a car so that we can go places. We don't buy a car just to sit in the garage. I realize that some people do that. Some people with immense wealth, like buy cars just to look at them. Um, but for the most part, you know, when you buy a hammer, it's for nails, right? You know, when you, when, why are we dating? We're dating so that we can find someone to marry. So instead of asking the question, what can this person give me? Or, or how can I make this person think I'm great? Or how can this person expand my kingdom? Um, instead, the kind of questions that we ought to be asking ourselves when we date someone is, is this someone that I can serve? Um, do I, do I find joy in serving this person? And, and this is just as important. Does this person serve me? Right now, if you emphasize one of those and not the other, you're an abuser. All right. But if you, but if there is a mutual service and then also if this person and my, and the, and I are both directed, and this is even more important than the service part, if this, but this will come naturally, the service part will flow naturally out of the second thing, which is this is, is this person aligned? 
is is he moving or she moving toward Christ? And can we walk together toward Christ? Or let's not gaze into each other's eyes. Let's walk alongside each other toward a common goal. And that's um, that's really, you know, that's what we need to be looking for in a possible spouse. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of ramifications. I know you want to jump in here, John, but that has a lot of ramifications because that's gonna if that's how we date, then that's gonna determine when we date and who we date. Not only the who we date, obviously, but also when, when we start dating and, and how long we date and how long we will date exclusively. Um, my students get really mad when I talk about this. Anyway, I want to let you jump in. I don't want to talk well, too much, but. Well, ha- hang on to that thought. Cause I do yeah. along those lines, I'm picturing you saying this to teenagers and, and I've said things like this to teenagers too. And you get the eye rolls and you get the comments of, look, we're teenagers. We're not even thinking about marriage yet. And I'm Mm. like, that's my exact point, (laughs) you know? So how is that received among students when you're, you're trying to tell them, listen, that this is why you do date. And I mean, even not only from students, but, but do you have parents kind of pushing back and saying, whoa, 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 don't, don't start bringing up marriage to my kids. You know, I'd love to hear some thoughts. It's problematic because you know, most parents, if you ask them, they'll say, my 18 year old is too young to get married, right? They need to graduate college. Now I deal with a lot of students who are from the higher side of the economic ladder. Um, That's not to say that they're like most, most of my students go to college is what I'm trying to say. I like, I don't know another way to say it, but so most parents are like, they need to meet their spouse in college, but they don't need to get married till they graduate. So the earliest they could possibly get married would be like 22 or 23. But, you know, we want them to go to law school or to do accountancy or to do um, or to go to med school or, you know, uh, or get their master's. And so really, like, we don't want them to get married until they're 23 or 24 years old. Right. Like that's that's what parents want. All right. And that's what, and certainly our culture is not encouraging people to get married early. Okay. And so in turn, and that's the norm. And so that's what students expect. And so one of the things that I tell them is that, okay, well, you have a choice. Okay. You have a choice because the Bible's clear on this too. All right. It's not just Kurt's opinion, but we have a choice because Paul says in first Corinthians seven, nine, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay. So you have a choice. You like, you can not get married. Okay. And that means, and the Bible's clear on this, that you're to refrain from all sexual activity, right? Um, until married. And when I say that, you know, I, I even mean the stuff that our students don't think is a big deal. Um, and, uh, because you get specific there with students now, I mean, are you able to say, um, you know, specific things, I mean, making out, yeah, you know, Oh, I mean, are I, like, you able to, to get that explicit with students? Even more explicit, but um, especially with my older kids at fellowship, like my ninth through 12th graders. Um, but uh, I, you know, I say, you know, I'll say, don't, I, this is such a, this, there was, I talk about this, or I, we find ourselves talking about this a lot because, and they will say, to me, um, I have this big thing called boys and girls can't be friends. Um, and that's, that takes too long to unpack on this podcast. Um, but, uh, it's part of this talk about how, you know, we're made for marriage and that like, if you think you can have a platonic relationship with a 
someone of the opposite sex, then, you, you know, you are, one of you is deluding yourselves, um, you know, and, you know, and we, we talk about, you know, why that's, you know, problematic or whatever. So they will, we will engage in this conversation a lot, but one of the questions always comes up about this is how far is too far, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the question. And that's a question that is, um, that arises out of a distrust of God, right? Like, cause what we're really saying is we don't think God's rules are good. And so therefore, um, so therefore I need to know just how close I can get to breaking them without breaking them, you know? So that's problematic right off the bat. Just even that question reveals something about how we're thinking but they'll always ask this and I'll say, you shouldn't kiss people in high school. And that, that they, and and they will look at me like I am. And, but I had a student one time say to me, well, what, what if the baseline is way more than kissing? Hmm. Now that is an eye opener, right? Um, uh, But what this student who is a a great student said, you know, and, and someone who's um, I don't want to say, they're righteous, but they're known for their, um, they're known for their integrity. Right. So, um, this is not someone who is made out with a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This wasn't a self-justification question. This is an honest question. They said, well, look, what if the baseline today for our generation is way more than kissing? Mm -hmm. Then is kissing. Okay. And I was like, okay, well let's work through that for a second. Um, you know, if the baseline for our, you know, if the baseline for our generation is murdering people, then just punch them in the face is okay. Right. Like, you know, like that, that's that just even the premise of that is problematic. Jesus didn't say to the Pharisees, well, look, so-and-so does this. And since, since, since so I do, since you do less, you're great. Um, he didn't call them to, you know, a satisfaction in their m- marginally more holy lifestyle and so that can't be our motivation for what we do in dating. But yes, I mean, that that's the question that comes up all the time is what am I, you know, and we have to talk through that because, and I tell them what I'm going to, what I'm calling you to is what, it's not my choice, right? If I wanted you to like me, I would just say, do whatever you want, right? But I don't care if you like me or not. I'm called to tell you what the scriptures say. And the scriptures say we're called to a higher standard than what the culture says. So that even if our friends even if everyone we know is doing it, you know, not to sound like your parents, but if everyone you knew was jumping off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? I mean, and, you know, I want to say to those parents who say stuff like, well, it looks like jumping off a bridge is pretty fun. They seem to be doing good. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, but, you know, I, I, I make no bones about that part of it, yeah. that, that we're called to something that the rest of the world is not called to. And this mm-hmm. is what it means to stand out. Yeah. But yes, we, we have to talk about that all the time. And, um, yeah, I don't know where we were or, or what no, we were. No, look, and, and what I want to say is, I mean, we need to start wrapping this up. But yeah, um, I'm I'm with you, and I can't help but feel a little bit of hopelessness as we talk mm. about this because, um, it, it's sad to think how far um, the church has become like the world. Um, well, John, I, I just remember where we were, but that that idea that my kids shouldn't get married until they graduated college that's a worldly idea mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and it's a denial of where they are physically mm-hmm. and and the problem is is that parents encourage that and i'm not trying to tell parents what how to map out their children's life in any way but i i, I want well, it's them it's not to, you it's it's led by the scriptures yeah right? 
Yeah. But I want them to see that like they are, you know, they are encouraging. I think parents are encouraging their children to engage in sexual morality and they're not doing it explicitly, like go and do that, but they're doing it implicitly by saying you need to wait until you get married. So I'm just going to turn a blind eye to the fact that, you know, you're engaging in all kinds of sexual behavior, right? Um, and you're just, you know, it's the time to sow your oats. It's the time to, you know, this is, this is when you, you, it's just high schoolers being high schoolers or junior hires being junior hires or whatever. Um, and then they're shocked when their kids don't have good marriages. And, you know, I think there is an argument to be made that people ought to be getting married sooner. Mm. Um, that, and look, I'm a hypocrite because I didn't get married until I was 25. All right. I would argue that's because I couldn't find someone to marry me until then. <laughs> I was trying, yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I feel like I should be a special case. Um, you know, uh, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, because of God's providence, there, you did not meet Marty until, am I incorrect? Weren't you, weren't you in seminary when y'all met? No, no, I, um, no, no, we met at state, but we met oh, okay. my last semester at state. So, okay. But yeah, we, most of our dating was while I was in seminary. Yeah. And so obviously when you're saying getting married at a younger age, I mean, you're factoring God's providence there of when you meet. And, and going back to just your statement, that's uh, very strong, that parents are encouraging sexual immorality. I mean, just think about that statement. And I'm not pushing back on that. I agree with that. And it's implicitly, just, implicitly. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they would, they would yeah. never say it, but by the practices they're employing, it, mm-hmm. it is again, completely mirroring the world being guided less by scripture and it's leading their children into destruction. Um, and, and, and can I, can, can I tell you one more thing that I, 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 well, I listened to a podcast that you had me listen to um, with one of uh with David the guy Ayers. who I, David Ayers, who's going to yeah, be on your podcast, right? Next week. Yes. Next week. And one thing that he said, which I hope that you'll ask him about, which I thought was just so good, is he said, you know, we're asking students to Christian students to fight against a very strong current of culture, right? How can we expect them to do that if we can't even fight the temptation to sleep in on Sunday? You know, this is this is me paraphrasing him, but like if you if you can't go to church every sunday if you can't just honor the sabbath then you know your kids are looking at you and being like yeah god has rules but they're just kind of rules right they're just god has given us a way to live but it's just kind of a way to live when we want to but if we don't have to then we don't don't be surprised if they take that principle and apply it to these things right and I was like, wow, I mean, what a, uh, what a commentary, not to just bash on, on parents. Cause you know, and it's easy for me to say that cause I'm paid to be at the church. Right. So I never miss a Sunday. <laughs> um, so it's easy for me, uh, to say that, but at the same time, but I didn't say it, he did. And, uh, and I thought that was just, you know, this issue is an honesty and in, in sexual issues are not just about sex and they're not just about, they're about honesty and integrity and discipline and self-control and patience um, and goodness and faithfulness and a ton of the fruit of the spirit are involved in fighting sexual temptation. And, um, you know, we can't just focus on this one thing 
and and ignore all the other things that are happening around us. Mm-hmm. I guess what I was trying to say. Yeah, and um, let me point people quickly to um, the podcast. It's Mortification of Spin with David Ayers. Um, I don't remember the number, but it's entitled Teens, Young Adults, and Sexuality. And you can uh, find it at reformation21.org as well. I know it's linked there, but Teens, Young Adults, and Sexuality, Mortification of Spin, uh, to, to check that out. Kurt, I, I want us to, to say kind of as we end, where do we go from here? Okay. Um, what 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 should because I feel like we've kind of uh, painted a picture of despair and listen, there, there's a lot to to weep about here. There's a lot to mourn and lament about where the church is, where Christians are on this issue, where our students are specifically. What, what advice to give to youth workers who might think of, okay, yeah, I want to push back on this, this tide of the, the, the cultural current. What, what can they tell their students? What can they tell their parents? How, how should they kind of start trying to deal with this? Cause We'll be wrapping up soon. Well, it's easy to like hammer people a little bit on this topic. Um, it's, or they can be, it can be, you can be perceived as um, being uh, very uh, heavy handed when you say things like, you know, uh, when, when you're, when you're saying, you know, don't, don't be unequally yoked. Don't be, you know, it seems like you're kind of like laying down the law, which is I'm not against Jesus love the law. So, but I think you have to lead with grace. First and foremost, you have to realize that the people who are listening to you are all over the map. Whenever I speak at fellowship, you know, I'm sure that I have someone in there who is, you know, who is a virgin or whatever has never had any kind of sexual, you know, conduct. And I'm sure that there's someone in there who is, who's had a lot of sexual partners or gotten around as they used to say. And, you know, and there's someone in there who maybe was abused sexually. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and there's could be someone who's trying to turn their life around after, you know, making a lot of mistakes and you just, so you want to be gentle and gracious. Um, and the Pharisees are not going to like to hear that, but you know, they didn't like to hear a lot of things that mm-hmm. Jesus said. So <laughs> cause I get over it, I guess, but you know, we want to be, we want to paint an accurate picture for our students of what the Bible has to say about marriage. And what the Bible has to say is that marriage is difficult and complicated and hard, but everything that is fun is difficult, complicated, and hard. You know what game I don't play a lot of? Candyland. All right. You know why no one plays Candyland? Because it's not fun, because it's simple. You just draw cards, and if you happen to get the candy, you win. And if you don't, you probably don't win. And it's just a simple game. But you know what game is really fun? Like, uh, settlers of Catan or like football or, you know, games that have complicated rules, right? Volleyball, but they're, and they're difficult to perform, but difficult, complicated things are, give us joy. We're made for these kinds of things. God is not simple. He is complicated (laughs) and, and too big for us to understand. So marriage is something that we we ought to hold up and aspire to. Um, but we, you know, we shouldn't assume that it's all, you know, we find the right person. I put that in air quotes, even though we're on um, just audio only, but we find the right person. It doesn't mean that our marriage is going to work out and that just because you have messed up doesn't mean that God can't redeem you um, and doesn't mean that you can't have a great marriage. Um, You know, God is gracious to the sinner and he is also holy and he's calling you to holiness. And those two things don't cancel each other out. Um, 
And so, you know, I think you have to lead with grace with your students um, and say, um, you know, if you have not engaged in this behavior, that doesn't make you better than anyone else. You're going to be tempted to look down on those people. Don't. Um, I tell my students all the time, I didn't drink or smoke or have sex in high school. And I didn't drink because I didn't like the taste. I didn't smoke because I didn't like the smell. And I didn't have sex in high school because I couldn't find someone who would. So, you know, I could have, I, I did look down on other people and say like, oh, well, I'm better than them. But really, was I better than them? Or was I just like, I just happened to have those choices. So don't, you know, to that student, you have to say, don't be judgmental. And to the student who has, you know, engaged in this behavior, you know, you want them to see the brokenness of it, but you also want to see that they can be put back together by Christ. Mm -hmm. So a difficult needle to thread, but one that you have to, you have to as a minister. Yeah, very, very well said, Kurt. And I would reiterate that. I mean, the, the grace and gentleness for sure emphasize that. And I would say that definitely call to repentance and those don't have to be harsh fire and brimstone that mm -hmm. those can be laced with, with grace and gentleness and kind of a loving, Hey, please, if you're a student who, who's dealing with these, come and talk to me. I, I'd love to talk with you and kind of walk you through this and, and pray for you. And so that can be done in grace. Um, and then maybe practically, I would say just raise awareness uh, within the church. Um, you know, if that's bringing somebody in to come talk about the issue, if it's uh, talking with the other pastors and kind of weaving it into to sermons, maybe having a Sunday school class where you're talking about this to parents. Um, I just think raising the awareness um, because it is, um, yeah, yeah, shocking just to hear some of the the stats. I mean, Kurt, you and I again are referencing that podcast that we listened to from David Ayers, and, and again, he'll be on as he's done a lot of research in this area. But but it's something we need to be pushing back against. Uh, Kurt, look, thank you for uh, kicking off season nine of the podcast. It's good to have you on again. Um, I hope that many will be uh, helped by this, and I'm sure we'll have you back on before too long. Take care, Kurt. All right, John. See you later. Oh, come and buy without money.